give away cash we don't give away new cars vacations to las vegas or cruises to alaska we deal in a commodity that's much more valuable we deal in the truth and we give it away in bulk without strings without terms and conditions and at no cost to you and how do we do it we make it up in volume we're tnn the truth news network and your host is dan newman I was just sitting here thinking about what Pete Moss was saying as he said it, and it is true. We have an abundance of facts here. I want to say something very important to you at the top of the show. You can't let circumstances control your life. What do you mean, Dan? I'm I'm a human. I'm just like you. Things in my life often trouble me. But we've got to stop stopping. We've got to stop stopping. What is that reference? It references how we respond when we run up against something that we don't understand, or maybe we understand and we don't like it, but there's nothing we can do about it because it's in somebody else's purview. You know what I'm talking about. Bad things happen all the time in the world. I'm not excusing things like illegal drug trafficking, fentanyl into the nation coming through our southern border from China. I'm not talking about those bad things. Those need to be stopped, period. And there are ways to stop it. In just a few minutes, I have authored a term sheet. And it includes what we need to do as a nation, what Joe Biden needs to do as president, what Alejandro Mayorkas needs to do as Homeland Security Secretary, as members of Congress need to do for their respective, from the House, their respective districts, and from the Senate, their respective states. All of these things that are petrifying Americans across the entire nation, west to east, north to south, everywhere, fear and the inability to change bad circumstances in our life now, like we've never experienced in our lifetime. We have got to stop letting those things and the fear thereof control who we are. We're not fearful. That's not who we are. We choose for those things to take over our thought processes and control our lives. They don't just happen. Nothing just happens. It's all cause and effect. Well, good morning. (laughs) I don't mean to start this show as a downer or with downer ideals, but there are some things we need to deal with. That's one of the biggest problems we have today. Our leaders won't deal with any of the dilemmas. They just act like they're not there. It's almost like we'll bury them so nobody will remember they're out there, even though they're still out there. Going to wade into that. Starting a new feature today called First Thoughts. First Thoughts. And I've got a first thought for you. So you've got plenty of time. I want you to share a live song with me to open this. Carol King with James Taylor. What a great album. What a great song. 1970. It's too late, baby. 
it's too late. Stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time. If something wrong here, there can be no denying. One of us is changing, maybe we've just stopped trying. And it's too
baby boomers, all of us, you remember the year? You remember what was going on in your life back then? We had some great music, great sound like that you just heard. That's live, Carol King with with uh, James Taylor, and that's a song that she wrote. Things were different back then, weren't they? I mean, everybody felt like there was positivity. Here's why. We had just been through the stupidest war in American history, Vietnam. All of these vets that didn't want to go because they didn't have any idea why they were being sent over to Southeast Asia where there was nothing but snakes and water and Viet Cong that would slash your throat and shoot you in the eye looking at you. They didn't know even why they were there. I had a guy I worked with. He was a uh, helicopter pilot over there. He was shot down three times and walked away. Changed his life. Ironically, after we met years later, he moved to Chicago and was giving flight lessons and taking off with the student. The engine failed, and they both died in that crash. Those men, many of those men, came back to the United States, and those of you that were around same time that I was there, we saw the video. These guys getting off airplanes on the West Coast, headed to Des Moines, Iowa, other little towns around the nation, and Americans back here were spitting on them, calling them horrible names, murderers, thugs, and all they were doing was answering the call. Uncle Sam called. There was a draft then, actually had a lottery. And very few people signed up to go over there because there was no clarity as to what the purpose was. So in the middle of all of that, Carol King wrote that song, It's Too Late, Baby, It's Too Late. It's Too Late is the name of it. But a great message there. And just, just understand this. It's not too late. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. Of course, if we're talking about death, that's different. But if we're talking about life, it's never too late. God's got a plan for you, got a plan for me. If we just plug into the plan, I promise we're going to be okay. Told you we had a brand new feature this morning. Dan Newman, First Thoughts. Now, why would we need to have a special feature called First Thoughts? You, if you're here every day, and most of you are, if you don't get it live, you get it later in the day as a podcast, but um, I'm going to express my opinion every day. You know why? Because I can. <laughs> Listen, I thought it would be appropriate today, first thing this morning, that you and I weigh in and put this chaos in government behind us. It's not doing any good to talk about the bad that happens in the Biden administration and concentrate on just that. In fact, in life, when bad things happen, instead of just walking in circles or fretting, drinking, whatever your fall to is when something goes over your head and it's just drowning you. Instead of doing that, why don't we find some answers together? And we'll start right here. Nobody can credibly refute the fact that there are two very critical issues facing the people of the U.S., at least two right now. The inaction on these two things by Biden exposes that we got a vacuum in leadership. 
And this vacuum is precipitating impending disaster unless immediate actions are implemented. We can't wait any longer. So what are these two deal killers for us? Illegal immigration and our debt limit increase debacle. Debt limit, southern border. Which is more important? Neither. They're both critical for our existence as a nation. So how can we amass all the necessary tools to resolve one of them, let alone two of them? And both of them must be resolved. What's worst is that these could have and should have been resolved years ago, but they were not. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, he's been trying to interface with Biden face-to-face since the beginning of the year, purposely to find or try to find a path through the political mud to somehow get resolution of our debt limit crisis at the same time fixing our broken immigration system, which is flourishing under Joe Biden. He's been very successful at flooding the nation with illegals. President Biden has, at least so far, failed to lead us away from numerous landmines that continue to plague his presidency and therefore us. All this is happening while he's leading the nation through a quagmire of policies and executive actions that are ripping us apart and destroying our nation's core ideals. We, we the people, as a nation, are facing treacherous times. Little that we can do personally to right the ship, it's too far gone. Only our Washington leaders have the necessary tools to stop this slide toward the pit of hell. And hell's already in our sights. Personally, I'm tired of kicking tires. Tired of just hoping and praying, and more importantly, trusting our elected reps. I have the heart and we'll push through these distractions and concentrate on the bullseye. My question is, will you? They are lawmakers. They should have done that from the start while settling for nothing but a perfect shot. Two and a half years of a Biden White House has proven that these leftist policies that have dominated this administration are going to strangle us while they steal every one of our liberties. Their job number one is convince us all that we have no power and we have no ability and certainly no right to push for more self-government. After all, Democrats control the White House. They control the Senate. The GOP's got a little bitty margin in the House and they've done very little because they haven't had the ability to reach an overarching solution to all this. But they at least have staved off Maybe temporarily, I don't know. The authoritarianism that our ruling class longs for. We, the people, have got to stop it. And the question I get asked, but how do we stop it? I got a little plan here. We must demand the restoration of the rule of law. That has to be the foundation of anything that we do going forward. Because it's been wounded, if not on deathbed in the Biden administration. Greatest irony of Joe Biden and those who do his bidding is that their driving force is the antithesis 
of liberty and justice for all. Instead, they've adopted the opposite while they're spinning through their media lapdogs the lies of deceit that cloak all this evil that's chilling us to death. Remember this, each of our federal elected officials, every one of them, and also those who are appointed, they put a hand on the Bible, the other hand in the air, and they repeat this, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office, my office that I'm being uh, elected for, president, vice president, member of the House, member of the Senate, whatever it is. And I will do the best of my ability to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Now, they all do that. They all make that pledge. They take that oath of office. It's one thing to swear an oath and another is just do it. Biden has proved that to us. There is a fix. We're in a dilemma and there is a fix. That fix applies to both our debt limit crisis and the destruction of our southern border at the hands of the Mexican cartels. They're now down there and worldwide, the cartels in Mexico, bragging that they control our southern border. And the fix is easy. Congress just needs to do what Congress is supposed to do and mandated to do constitutionally, initiate all the government funding while at the same time conducting oversight of each branch of government that's getting all of this taxpayer money. That sounds too simple to be true, but it is true. And it can be performed relatively reasonably and must be done no matter the cost. Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House. He could meet with Joe Biden when Biden disembarks from Air Force One at his return from the G7 and inform the president that there will be no debt ceiling limit raised, not a single new dollar of executive branch funding, unless and until Joe Biden begins to perform his constitutional duties as president. That's abiding by the rule of law. None of this crap where he sneaks in between the lines in a gray area and decides to go do something unilaterally. In doing that, he simultaneously stops the rampant lawbreaking if Joe Biden understands and makes changes. What are we trying to do? Hold lawbreakers accountable. Lawbreakers, not just those criminals, those thugs stepping into our nation across the southern border with no legal opportunity or invitation to do it. We've got to stop it. If Biden would announce from Air Force One that he had talked to and instructed Attorney General Merrick Garland to eliminate any roadblocks in the DOJ that are now stalling the execution of constitutional requirements of every time, that would automatically force the Department of Justice to start enforcing laws, all laws. That would quickly stop the illegal human floods at our southern border. Subsequently, that would quickly reduce in dramatic fashion the horrendous deaths from illegal drugs coming with those illegal immigrants that are killing our people every month in greater numbers than ever in history. 
by removing this easy illegal drug market from the purchaser's mode, fentanyl crises along with crises of other illegal drugs would evaporate. The market for them would change. And the cartels would have no way to enforce their syndicate operations on our side of the border. But let's take this one step further. There will be no debt limit increase, none, until the Biden administration strips every person in the administrative branch of all authorities that are not enumerated by congressional regular order legislation in Congress. Further, our annual budget construction must reduce our spending annually by at least 10% adjusted for inflation until we have no budget deficit and no deficit spending. And we don't have to go borrow a bunch of money just to pay our bills. What's the hard part in this? The hardest part in this. This is where we lose a lot of Americans. Holding those responsible for all of this insanity, holding them accountable to the letter of the law, must happen and must happen immediately. Unless it does, we're lost. We'll continue to slide into the abyss that is already dangerously close. Completing this task will take monumental effort from top to bottom of our nation, not just our government. Americans must stop coddling our lawmakers and our political appointees and hold them accountable for everything, everything they do and even everything they don't do that they should do. We could talk about that another day. We can be specific, not so much today. In conclusion, we must accept the fact that too many things have changed in the past two years to have naturally occurred. It's been orchestrated, orchestrated totally by people on the left, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. I know I'm not a conspiracy guy, but they've been in the decision-making process in this Biden administration and whoever else. If you really don't like where we are, if you really don't want your children and grandchildren to get caught up in this track, if you really want change to happen, there's only one way to do so. Only one. You got that? One way to do so. Only one way to do so. What do I mean? You want change? I do. Here's a truth that you can bank on for the rest of your life. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Nothing changes if nothing changes. We, we the people have the power to take these actions. We have the authority to take these actions. And now we have the call to follow Larry the Cable Guy's instructions when he famously told us all just simply, get her done. The mandate for this change, it doesn't belong to Joe Biden. It doesn't belong to Kevin McCarthy. It doesn't belong to the Supreme Court. It belongs to the people. We, the people, the mandate for change is mine and yours. The decision to do so or to not do so or mine and yours too. And the question is, will we do it? Sitting here and watching the rot take off the face of our nation, 
scares me to death for my grandkids. They don't deserve what's coming down the pike right now. They don't. For that matter, you and I don't either. The only thing we've done wrong is let the government govern solo with very little, if any, input from the we, the people side. It's got to stop. If it doesn't stop, we're headed for a lifestyle like Cuba, uh, Nicaragua, some of the other Central and South American countries that are ruled by despots. Joe Biden would love to be one of those guys. I mean it sincerely. He would argue till he couldn't speak that that's not the case. Don't listen to what they say. Look at and listen to what they do. Nothing changes if nothing changes. We got to start the change from here. When you're fed up with the nagging heartburn of today's lies, how do you spell relief? TNN, the Truth News Network. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. In a world where truth is in short supply, you have an abundance of it right here. TNN, the Truth News Network. Right now as we speak, House Committee, committee I'm, I think it's the Weaponization Committee. I'm pretty sure that's when Jim Jordan chairs it. Jordan is also the chair of the uh, Judiciary Committee in the House, but they're having a meeting right now. One purpose and one purpose only, to expose the weaponization of the American government by the government, weaponizing the government against you and I. This just came out of that hearing just a moment ago. I want to make sure that we stay on top of it. Formal FBI special agent, a guy named Garrett O'Boyle, he testified today that his family became homeless. Now listen to this. This will blow your mind if you're an honest American. He and his family moved to the street, and they did so after he reported illegal activity in the FBI where he worked. Now, this is in a report from the House Judiciary Committee. O'Boyle disclosed possible illegal actions in his supervisory special agent. In the F- We're talking about the FBI. Subsequently, when he reported it, whistleblower status can't retaliate against a whistleblower. At least that's what the law says. Uh-uh, not in the Biden Department of Justice They just decided to go after O'Boyle. They reassigned him to a different department and doing so 
forced him to relocate his family across the country. Upon arrival on his first day at work, listen to what they did. The FBI placed him, agent, former agent now, O'Boyle, on unpaid indefinite suspension, effectively rendering his family homeless and depriving them of personal belongings, including his young kids' children's clothing, which the FBI kept in storage. O'Boyle and other FBI whistleblowers each detailed instances of retaliatory actions that they've dealt with after making protected disclosures regarding what they sincerely believe to be misconduct. Now, why would the FBI do that? I'm going to get to that in a minute. One common thread among these accounts, all these whistleblowers, is that the FBI infringed on federal whistleblower protection statutes and doing it, exploited the security clearance evaluation process to, quote, hamstring the brave agents who exercise their right to make protected disclosures to Congress or who dared to question FBI leadership. So who was this guy, Agent O'Boyle? He served in the Army as an infantryman in Iraq and in Afghanistan for a year each. He received the Combat Infantryman Badge. That report alleged that the whistleblower testimony shows that the FBI's partisan leadership is currently engaging in a purge of agents who are conservative and they hold conservative beliefs. The whistleblower disclosures and special counsel Durham's report both show the FBI has become politically weaponized. One of the whistleblowers said the FBI currently is cancerous and has let itself become enveloped in this politicization and weaponization. Here's what it's all about. You heard a mention of it in what I just told you. It is about scaring agents in the FBI, probably every other branch in our intelligence community, scaring them to death. How dare you come forward and go public and air the FBI's dirty laundry in public? How dare you do that? You're not going to get away with it. And they're, they're doing it to scare everybody else. Whistleblower status, they can't retaliate against you. It's illegal. So why would the FBI do it? What's the cost of the FBI to do it? Nothing. How can you say that? Well, nothing because there'll be a lawsuit. There'll be some kind of settlement out there. And the federal government's in the wrong. They'll pay O'Boyle, as they should, a whole lot of money for what they did to him. They destroyed his career. At one point, they quit paying him, no advance notice, and he and his family end up on the street. You know why they do it? Because they can, and they've been able to get away with it for years. How long has this been going on and we never hear about it? You keep feeding the power junkie, and the power junkie gets bigger, takes on more opportunities to grow the evil, and we never know about it until, bam, one time there's an explosion and a boil steps up. And our Congress members from years back didn't want any of this to happen. And they passed into law 
laws that were signed by the president at that time that protected whistleblowers. Whistleblowers are out there to give us, the American people, we the people, to give us the confirmation they're really working for us. And if they're not, they can fix it. And then O'Boyle and others like him come forward and the FBI has destroyed their lives. Why? Because they're exercising their First Amendment rights and reporting illegal activity within the FBI to the inspector generals. Telling the truth, you lose your job in the Biden administration. That, my friends, is sad. So as you know, let's segue over to the debt limit issue. We have a problem. If you listen to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, we've got till about the 1st of June, and if we don't come up with a way to borrow more money to pay our bills that are outstanding, we're going to default on all our financial responsibilities, like paying quarterly um, dividends on Treasury bonds that we sell to get money to operate the government. That makes sense, doesn't it? So what are we going to do about it? Well, the House has already passed the plan and presented it to the president and gave him in that a higher debt ceiling, what he could use and what he would need to use to pay the back debt, probably a cushion in there, a few dollars, I'm sure. So what do House Democrats do? Instead of coming to the table and negotiating, here's what they did just a little while ago. They formally introduced a procedural resolution. It's referred to as a discharge petition. And they're doing it to try and force a vote on the floor on a U.S. debt limit increase without needing the approval of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. This discharge petition, it was introduced late yesterday as a clandestine scheme that's been quietly set in motion Beginning back in January, they've been planning for this to happen. The top House Democrat, Representative Hakeem Jeffries, he's a Democrat from New York, he first alerted fellow Democrats to the plan on May 2nd. At that time, he told them that a bill titled Breaking the Gridlock Act was introduced at the start of the 118th Congress, and it had multiple items on it. In other words, it's an omnibus bill but later had a clean debt ceiling increase attached to it. The bill was pushed forward by Representative Mark Saulnier, Democrat from California, and has remained untouched since March 7th when it was referred to 20 different House committees. That, my friends, is how Nancy Pelosi ran the House. If she ever sent something out to a committee to be debated or taken up and drilled into to find out the good or bad, whether we should push forward or not with it. That was her modus operandi. Apparently, it's Hakeem Jeffries the same. A discharge petition, rarely used, it's a procedural measure, would bring a bill out of committee and force a floor vote if the bill has remained idle for more than 30 days. This would happen even if you didn't have the approval of the House Speaker. Yesterday, Jeffries urged every member of the Democrat caucus to support any discharge petition for DeSaunier's bill. In a Dear Colleague letter, Jeffries expressed hope to find an, and I'm going to quote him here, acceptable bipartisan resolution that prevents any default. 
But he noted that because of the impending June 1 U.S. debt default deadline, it's important that all legislative options be pursued in the event that no agreement is reached. You understand what's going on here? Why is there a House, U.S. House of Representatives, and a U.S. Senate? Why is that? And then third, why is there a White House, a president? We don't need Congress. That's the way the left want to rule the government, and they have been ruling it. If we have the majority and the control of the majority of our government, we're going to ram through everything that we want. Forget about we the people. We don't care about you anymore. We're taking over. In fact, many will tell you, experts will tell you, they've already taken over. And what we're doing is batting defensively, pushing back against something that's already been put in play. I don't know if it has, but it's sure looking every day like there's been a whole lot more going on than we've been watching or been told about. But why this? Why go around the democratic process? The idea, the concept from establishment, even before the U.S. Constitution was signed, was to negotiate, get together, have conversations, find out specific of differences, and honestly, credibly, and for the people in the oath that you took, come up with an answer, reach a solution, instead of saying, it's my way or the highway, which Joe Biden's been saying about this for two and a half years, about everything and everybody that disagrees with him. We're looking right into the face of authoritarianism, which is really close to totalitarianism, which is communism. They keep throwing around the label fascist. They're now calling a bunch of MAGA Americans fascist. Do they not know? It's simple to find out what fascism really is. And fascism is direct opposite of what conservatives in government today are pushing for. It's nowhere close to fascism. But you know why they do it? They consider all their Democrat Party constituents, or most of them, illiterate. And they, the leadership in the Democrat National Committee, they demand everybody listen to their mantra and take it and swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Forget about facts. Facts don't matter anymore. We're an authoritarian government. We'll never admit it, but just watch what we do. We're going to prove to you that we are, but we're going to continue to throw around these insults and these monikers, names that we decide we're going to put on people. And we're doing it just to diminish those who oppose our ideology. And we're going to do it every single day. And they have been. They have been. Look at what's happening down south. Hadn't heard much about it this week, have we? They don't want to talk about it. Mainstream media wants to leave it alone. Their understanding of their followers, their people, this is the same as the DNC. Their people don't pay attention unless they're told to. And left stream media, they've been told to clamp it down. Have you kept up with what's really happening down there? Well, if you listen to Alejandro Mayorkas, he gives us all the answer. Biden's border deputies, they welcomed a record surge of economic migrants in the month of April. 
just before they lifted Title 42. Mayorkas's DHS announced the record inflow on May 17th, saying that, listen to this, 137,374 migrants were admitted during the month before the flood of roughly 40,000 migrants through the border in the days before May 11th, when Title 42 was lifted. This April inflow exceeds the 135,000 migrants who were admitted back in April. Biden's April 2023 inflow is 87 times more. 87 times more as were admitted by Donald Trump in April of 2020. These April numbers also exclude the roughly, ah, rounded up or rounded down, it doesn't matter, 50,000 additional migrants who were invited to take Biden's parole pathways. And it excludes the roughly 60,000 young migrants who sneaked past the thinly monitored border. Altogether, Biden's deputies have allowed a quarter of a million migrants in April, or roughly two migrants for every three U.S. births during the same month. Since January of 21, you remember what happened then. Joe Biden took his oath of office. Since that day, Biden's deputies have admitted roughly four and a half million migrants across our southern border. Those are the ones we know about. This migration, it's going to stay high. Even after the Biden administration imposed tough border rules on May the 11th, the May numbers will be hidden until early June. Biden's deputies, they want more economic migrants to get through the border. Despite the huge pocketbook and status damage, to ordinary Americans and their kids. So, they've twisted U.S. laws to open up a series of doorways to help deliver the extra workers, consumers, renters, and government clients to the party's donors and unions. And this is in spite of the migration caps. You know, the law thing. It was set back in 1990 by Congress. That hadn't changed. They blow through laws like they're meaningless in D.C., You know what we call that. You know what the reality of it is. It's authoritarianism. It's where the people don't matter. Oh, the people used to, but they put us in office. Now we got it. Y'all go lay down. Y'all go to the beach for the weekend. We got it. We'll tell you on Monday morning what's right, what's wrong, and what you should and shouldn't do. And you just need to keep on doing what we tell you to do. Keep your mouth shut, too, while you're doing it. Let's segue forward. Do you know Marjorie Taylor Greene? She's a member of the House of Representatives from Georgia. Very controversial. Very outspoken about everything. And especially about Donald Trump. Here's Marjorie Taylor Greene yesterday. I would like to remind everyone that Republicans believe in legal immigration. As a matter of fact, we're very proud of our former First Lady, Melania Trump, who immigrated legally to the United States. But there's a clear difference in policies when we talk about border and security for the United States of America. And I think it's very important to remind my colleagues across the aisle what our oath of office actually says. We swear an oath that we will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that is a very important oath to swear, and it's one to uphold. But this, this is not being upheld in the past 
two years under this administration, we have seen nearly 5 million people cross our border, and it's unsustainable. As a matter of fact, on Monday, a record was set for border apprehensions. And then just yesterday, that, that record was defeated because they had even more border apprehensions. Two records, I don't even know what today is yet. We don't have the numbers, but soon we'll know. But the clear difference between Democrats and Republicans when we talk about border security and we talk about these policies is that Democrats, don't, they don't serve Americans. They serve migrants, and they serve foreign countries and their borders, but not Americans, American tax dollars, and America's border. As a matter of fact, according to the Border Patrol chief, five out of the nine sectors are out of control and in the hands of the cartels. But yet the most important thing to Democrats across the aisle is attacking the Second Amendment and taking away Americans' guns because they're claiming that'll keep Americans safe from the cartels. That's insanity. Democrats serve migrants so much that they're interested in bringing more into the country. When they talk about hiring more Border Patrol agents, it's because they want Border Patrol agents to be the welcoming committee. But HR2, which I strongly support, hires more Border Patrol agents and gives them bonuses so that they can do the job that they were hired to do, which is to protect our southern border. And by the way, the lives of migrants who are dying nearly every single day as they try to cross our border. You know, it's really interesting. Unfortunately, this administration, and, and they, Democrats serve migrants so much more than Americans, and it seems that Biden serves any country that's willing to write them a check as long as they make it out payable to the Biden family LLCs. How about that? I brought this one to you because of what has been happening to Congresswoman Green. And she likes to be called Congresswoman. I just wanted to make it clear I'm not a, uh, I'm not being sexist when I call her Congresswoman. But what's happened to her subsequent to that, which you just heard? Every night, authorities are getting 911 calls. And they're in the middle of the night going to Marjorie Taylor Greene's house because of claims that there have been murders during the night at her home. Because she's a congresswoman, a member of Congress, they've got to act on anything like that and make sure it's make sure it's not credible. I mean, you got to make sure Congress Congressperson, man or female. 911 gets a call and says somebody's shot and killed on their property. You got to act. <laughs> I mean, that just makes sense, doesn't it? Nothing has to make sense in the Biden administration. Nothing has to make sense in what we're dealing with every day, at least to them. You know, this FBI stuff and those employees. Did you know? that FBI employees had security clearances revoked after they spoke out against our politicized rot in the DOJ. They were suspended or had their security clearances revoked, which kills their jobs. 
The committee released, the Judiciary Committee released an interim staff report late yesterday revealing new whistleblower testimony from several current and former FBI employees that exposes abuses and misconduct in the FBI. The disclosures from these employees highlight egregious abuse, misallocation of law enforcement resources, and misconduct with the leadership ranks of the FBI. Now that's straight from the report. The report said the FBI whistleblower described FBI's alleged retaliatory conduct against them after making protected disclosures about what they believe in good faith to be wrong conduct. Two whistleblowers, Steve Friend, former FBI special agent, and Marcus Allen, an FBI staff operations specialist, had their security clearances revoked this month and are expected to appear for testimony before the subcommittee later today. The report said the FBI suspended Friend's security clearance and suspended him without pay after he made protected disclosures about the Bureau's handling of domestic violent extremism cases and after he expressed concern about the FBI's handling of cases related to January 6th and the so-called Capitol riot. Agent Friend explained the FBI's handling of J6-related investigations deviated from standard practice and created a false impression with respect to the threat of domestic violent extremism nationwide. As for Agent Alley, the committee's report said the FBI suspended his security clearance. Why? For just performing duties on his job, conducting case-related research, using open-source news articles and videos, and sending his search results to his task force colleagues. In other words, getting everybody on board, when you find out something evil is going on, you're a part of the FBI, everybody in the division that would tackle that needs to know about it. That's what he did. He told the committee he sent around links to open source opinion videos that were related to the Capitol riot for their situational awareness. Because these open source articles question the FBI's handling of this violence at the Capitol, the FBI suspended him, Allen, for conspiratorial views in regards to the events of that day. You know the only thing that matters from that day? There's only one thing that matters. One. Not all the other stuff. Not all of the politicization. None of the politicization. I mean, it happened. We know it. It's still happening. I stop at one point when they begin to try to justify what they have done, the intelligence community, our law enforcement, federal agencies, what they've done to legitimize it. And then they're trying to legitimize going against constitutional rights for anybody. A a person from Zimbabwe comes here illegally. Everybody has the same right to be charged to be represented if they are charged with a criminal act of any kind, represented by an attorney, and they're guaranteed a speedy trial. For J6 so-called insurrection acts, we still have people in jail in Washington, D.C. that haven't stood before a judge for almost two years. Where's the constitutional guarantee to a quick trial? And a fair trial, where is that? The Biden administration doesn't exist. They do what they want to do. And once they get a little leg up, it lights the fire. The EPA, 
Environmental Protection Agency. They're trying to upend the entire energy industry, and they're in doing so, listen to this, they are ignoring what the Supreme Court of the United States has says that they can't do. The new rules come after the Supreme Court struck down the agency's unilateral rulemaking authority to reshape the power grid. Supreme Court just basically said you can't do that. And Biden's, Biden's EPA is giving the Supreme Court again the middle finger. They announced new rules this week that are going to regulate fossil fuel industry out of business. New carbon pollution standards for coal and natural gas-fired power plants unveiled Thursday demand plants reduce their emissions by a staggering 90% within two decades, or they're going to be shut down. The EPA is going to shut them down. Now, they're not supposed to have the, the power, the governmental power to do that. To make a rule, a rule, did you hear that? Rules don't come out of Congress. And everything that has anything to do with the American people has to come through Congress, not in the Biden administration. Didn't happen in the Obama administration. If they couldn't get consensus from Congress, they just drafted a rule, call it a rule or an executive order, it really doesn't matter. They throw it out there and start enforcing it. And here's why they do it. They know it's illegal. They know it's not correct. But they also know to get into a civil lawsuit with the the federal government, somebody's going to pony up with a couple of hundred grand up front to get a law firm to represent you. And they know that won't happen. And even if it does happen, they'll have months, if not years of time, to roll out these challenged ideals and will change the world while everybody's waiting for the court. Remember John Durham? How many years did we wait for the Durham report? Giving us the truth, the facts about what happened in the run-up to the 2016 election. We just got it two days ago. The wheels of the federal train, they're really squeaky, and that train doesn't move very fast. So, By proposing these new standards for fossil fuel-fired power plants, EPA is delivering on its mission to reduce harmful pollution that threatens people's health and well-being. That's the typical excuse. This came from the EPA administrator, Michael Regan. EPA's proposal relies on proven, readily available technologies to limit carbon pollution and seizes the momentum already underway in the power sector to move toward a cleaner future. No details, no facts, no evidence. Y'all are just a bunch of plebes out there. We don't have to tell you what the truth is. You wouldn't understand it if we told you. So we're just going to take control unilaterally. We're going to do whatever we want to do. And you guys don't have any power to challenge us. Well, you may have some power, but you don't have enough money. Compliance with these mandatory targets There's just no way it can work. It would require deployment of innovative carbon capture technologies not in use today at a single, not one, U.S. power plant. plant. They're planning on using that technology, and they're putting out this quote-unquote rule for all carbon power plants to adhere to and use technology that's not even available now. 
Tom Powell, who's the president of the American Energy Alliance, told the Federalist the environmental regulations threaten to undermine the power grid if these proposed rules made it past the courts. If this regulation survives a court challenge, which is very much in doubt, Powell said, it will lead to more blackouts, higher electricity prices, but the real point of the regulation is to immediately make it more difficult to invest in natural gas and coal-fired power plants. It isn't cheap to build a power plant, is it? And so after you get it up, the only way you make it work is you very economically sell energy to Americans across the nation. Novel idea, that's called capitalism. Capitalism doesn't work in the Biden administration. It didn't work in the Obama administration either. They quit talking about their totalitarian ideology, but behind the scenes. That was what the push was for. And on Inauguration Day in 2021, Joe Biden started the process and he began to unilaterally defund every part of the fossil fuel industry. Not doing it based on any facts, had no plan, no transition plan. We're having all this stuff crammed down our throats and none of it is working in the energy side. They have nothing of substance to give to the American people. They've given us a lot, you notice I said, of substance. There is no substance there, a bunch of empty suits. Symbolism over substance is running this White House. And it's not getting better. And I promise you, I don't see it getting any better before there is no Biden in the White House. And by the way, the Biden whole clan is held accountable for fraud and corruption for these millions of dollars they're taking from agents of Xi Jinping's Chinese Communist Party and have been doing it for years. Also, uh, you know, a few million dollars coming out of Northern Europe. But that's okay. I'm Joe Biden. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. On this! That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Manita. What them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Here it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. And 
Angela play black jazz. Playing uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one on me. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. The other day, driving over in East Texas, going down towards the Austin area, going back roads, just driving along 60, 65 miles an hour. I think that's what the speed limit was. And all of a sudden, zoom, I got passed. And I swore it was a chicken that ran by my car. I'm going 60, 65 miles an hour. So I had to find out about this chicken. So I watched him. And up the road a bit, still in my sight, he ran off the road and ran up like a driveway. So I pulled into the driveway. It was it was a little farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. And this guy was standing out in the front yard when I pulled up and very nicely came over, I introduced myself, and he said, what's going on here? And I said, man, I was driving down the road, just minding my business, and this chicken runs by me somewhere around 65 miles an hour. And I saw him turn in here. What's that all about? And the guy said, well, listen, we're poor. We live in the country, but we love fried chicken. And the favorite part of the chicken that every member of my family loves are the legs. So I decided we wanted to get a bunch of chicken legs. And the best way to do it was to get a chicken to have at least one more leg. So over a period of time, I bred my chickens to have three legs. That means we would, instead of, you know, having only two legs, we could do a couple of chickens and would have double that. We'd have six, and it just made sense. And so I said, how do they taste? And he frowned a bit and said, I don't know. I can't catch one. I don't hear any laughter. (laughs) I bet some of you will repeat that. I needed that. That was for me. So let's just jump back into some of the chaos out there. Tucker Carlson's not, he's not gone. I hope you know that. Tucker's not gone. He's coming back. He's got a lot of support from people like Elon Musk and everybody out there wants to hire him. There's a problem there. He's still under contract to Fox News. In fact, they have him through this next election cycle, next November. His contract with Fox expires 1231. But he's not dead in the water. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. But right before he left, he gave a report. And I saw this late last night. And it troubled me. I wanted you to hear it. Just after midnight this Wednesday morning, several police officers arrived, guns drawn, at the home of Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia. Now, they arrived because someone had called the police and said falsely that a man had been shot several times in a bathtub in Marjorie Taylor Greene's house. 
Then again, on Thursday mornings before 3 a.m., police received another report about, quote, a male possibly shooting his family members and then himself at Marjorie Greene's house. Now, the point of all of this, of course, these lies, was to get the police to show up and shoot Marjorie Taylor Greene. So this is an attempt to kill a sitting member of Congress for political reasons. Everyone else seems to be ignoring the story. We think it's a story. You remember my story a few minutes ago where you heard Marjorie Taylor Greene going off on the Biden administration and everything that's going on and everything that's not going on that should be going on? Retaliation. This government is making itself a weapon to use against anybody that opposes them in any way. In anything. It doesn't matter what it is. That points to something. If it quacks and waddles, it's a duck. So what does that mean, Dan? Your government is weaponized. It's not weaponizing. It's already happened. They want to shut you up. They want you to just be quiet, sit down, listen, and do what you're told. Like, they're our daddies. They're not my daddies. And then there's Barack Obama. He surfaced again. He said on Tuesday on CBS Mornings, the divided media in America was his biggest concern for the future of the U.S. And the host, Nate Burleson, asked the former president, post-presidency, what about this country keeps you up at night? Obama thought about it for a moment, and then he said, the thing I'm most worried about is the degree to which we've now had a divided conversation, in part because we have a divided media. And he went on, he said, when I was coming up, you had three TV stations. I've told you that. I've mentioned it a bunch of times myself. And he said, people were getting a similar sense of what is true and what isn't, what was real and what was not. How does he know that? He, I'm older than him. He was younger than me. And he's talking about when we had three news sites. We all had television and had three network channels, ABC, CBS, NBC. So we watched the news. He just, I guess, decided to believe that everything he heard from all three of those who got together and discussed what and how they were going to report matters, he just assumed they were true. Americans are tired of assuming that about our media. We don't do it anymore. Obama said, what I'm most concerned about is the fact that because of the splintering of the media, we almost occupied different realities. And then he added, in the past, everybody could say, all right, we may disagree on how to solve it, but at least we all agree that it's an issue. Now people will say, well, that didn't happen, or I don't believe that. And one of the goals of the Obama Foundation, here we go, follow the money. One of the goals of the Obama Foundation and one of the goals of my post-presidency is how do we return to that common conversation? How can we have a common set of facts? We may disagree on gun violence in terms of what the best prescriptions are, but we can't deny the data that says the U.S. has levels of gun violence that are 5, 10, 15 times more than other countries. And, of course, if I was there, I would have raised my hand and said, Mr. President, Mr. President, why is there so much gun violence in the nation? Not a single gun has picked itself up out of a gun safe or closet and gone outside and shot some innocent Americans. Never happened one time. Every one of them happens when a human picks up a gun 
and decides, I'm going to go kill somebody or I'm going to go raid a bank and try to get some money. Those decisions are made by people, by people. Guns don't think. And if they didn't have guns, they'd use knives, they'd use other types of weapons. Hatred is common, and it has actual characteristics that we can know about. And by the way, there's no way you're ever going to confiscate all the guns in America. It won't be done. Why don't you try just doing what I said in our first thoughts this morning, Mr. Obama? Why don't you just try to push for all laws to be enforced, every one of them, regarding guns, every one of them? In your town, where you're from, Chicago, who are those people that every weekend slaughter about a dozen Chicagoans during the weekend with guns. How many times have these shootings happened, Mr. Obama, where they told us the source of the guns that were used in that murder? None. Zero. They don't tell us that. Those people that are killing your fellow Chicagoans, they're not going to Dick's Sporting Goods, filling out the application that goes to the ATF for their approval, if their record's clean, you know, like Biden's son, lied about on his, about his drug use, which is a felony. Just thought I'd throw that in there. The people that kill, that murder, they're criminals in most cases. Every once in a while, somebody blows a fuse, and it gets extraordinarily horrible. I get that, but it's very rare. But what happens every weekend in Chicago is people are slaughtered by other people that have illegal guns they sold or they bought illegally because they couldn't go through the system because they're criminals. If it's just a mental health problem, Obama said, talking about the gun violence, it's not like there aren't people with mental health problems in those other countries. What's the difference? This is probably the difference. Now we can have a debate, but at least we've agreed on some facts. There aren't many facts that Obama had that he threw out there that I agreed with. And by the way, there is no such thing as you can have your facts and I'll have my facts. Facts don't live in an Obama or a Newman environment. They live in a, in a place where they can't be touched, can't be manipulated. And our forefathers knew that was going to be necessary. They left the countries in Northwest Europe that are doing or were doing then exactly what you're proposing happened here in the United States where government controls everything and everybody. And Americans, they're not buying it. Interesting things going on in Congress. It's, it's, it's interesting for me. To, we heard from re, uh, Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene a bit ago, and then you heard Tucker just talk about it. Do you know the name Anna Paulina Luna? We'll get to know who she is. She introduced a resolution in the House to kick Adam Schiff out of Congress. It's a resolution to expel Adam Schiff from Congress. It comes days after Special Counsel Durham released a report about the FBI's investigation into the Trump campaign for that Russia collusion stuff. So after a years-long investigation, novel, 
Durham determined the FBI should not have launched an investigation into the Trump campaign. He concluded the department and the FBI failed to uphold their important mission of strict fidelity to the law in connection with certain events and activities described in that report. Resolved that pursuant to Article 1, Section 5, Clause 2 of the Constitution, Representative Adam Schiff be, and he hereby is, expelled from the House of Representatives. That's Luna's one-page resolution. She released multiple statements when she introduced a resolution yesterday. Schiff lied to the American people, she said. He used his position on House Intel to push a lie that cost American taxpayers millions of dollars, she tweeted from her congressional account. He's a dishonor to the House of Representatives. So in a statement on her personal account, Luna called on the House Ethics Committee to investigate Schiff over his promotion of the Trump-Russia collusion narrative. Knowingly using your position on House Intel to push a lie that ripped apart our country, cost taxpayers millions of dollars, and authorized spying on a U.S. president, and then proceeding to double down on the lie within days of the Durham report coming out, makes you unfit for office. Ethics should be investigated. Now, earlier this year, the new House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, when the Republican caucus took over, House Speaker McCarthy refused to allow Schiff to maintain his position on the House Intelligence Committee, saying that Schiff has lied too many times to the American public. Can you imagine a member of Congress, high-level member of Congress, Adam Schiff, and everybody wants him gone because he lies? But guess what happened after that, after Luna did that? Schiff has retaliated. Now remember this. He was the top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee until the Republicans got control of the House. He's potentially the biggest purveyor of lies and disinformation about Trump anywhere in the world. He's doubled down on his outrageous claims since the Durham report came out, and in the report it rebuffed every one of Schiff's promises and his evidence, the unrefutable evidence that proved Donald Trump was in bed with the Russians. He's pushed back. Oh, my gosh. I I just don't know how to take this stuff. Republicans have been aggressively calling for these lawmakers who push those lies about Trump. Finally, come on, somebody hold them accountable. And especially now after the Durham report came out, it found that the FBI knew the claims against Trump about the Russians and the 2016 election were specious, that word. I love that, specious. In other words, they weren't true but ran with the accusations anyway in what many contend was nothing more than a political witch hunt. Schiff has constantly said there is clear evidence on the issue of collusion between the Kremlin and Trump's 2016 campaign. He's not changed his stance since the damning 300-page report came out. I'm going to quote him. I don't want to go into specifics, he said, but I will say there is evidence that is not circumstantial. But as I've said all along, There's plenty of evidence of collusion. He said that on Meet the Press back in 2017. Schiff has to date not produced one shred of evidence that supports his claims. Not one. Why hasn't he? I thought he was the highest guy in the House Intelligence Committee. 
wouldn't it be a violation of his oath of office if he knew something and had evidence about a sitting president and he just sat on it, didn't give it to the FBI? Why would he keep that under his hat if there was something there? He continued, did Mr. Schiff. This was an investigation that started in a flawless manner. It was conducted in a flawed manner, and its conclusion is a flawed conclusion. That Schiff talking to MSNBC Lawrence O'Donnell two days ago concerning the Durham report. Schiff clapped at Luna's announcement in typical fashion by using the left's deflective rallying city and cry that MAGA Republicans are persecuting them. A MAGA Republican member of Congress just filed a motion to expel me from the U.S. House of Representatives. I stood up to Donald Trump and had extreme MAGA forces accountable. I held them accountable, Schiff tweeted late last night. Now they won't pay back. They'll go after anybody who defends the rule of law. He doesn't defend the rule of law. The law requires somebody to be charged with evidence. What world does Adam Schiff live in? You know what world it is? He's living in a world full of other Democrats that are like-minded. They've just walked away from their oaths of office. They've walked away from the Constitution, and instead, they're doing their wrong stuff while others who want to enforce the Constitution and to push through on their oaths of office and do the right thing. They're calling them MAGA extremists, fascists, labeling everybody, trying to scare at least half of the voting base of the country into believing that Republicans bad, Democrats good. It's worked for them so far. In that scenario, nothing matters. Truth especially doesn't matter. Hey, it's what we want, what we think, and we're going to shove it down the throats of everybody. Sit down and shut up, and we'll tell you what to think. Oh, and when to think it. We haven't talked much about the southern border today, and uh, I'm not going to get into a bunch of it, but Stuart Varney yesterday, he commented about what's going on, and I thought it was salient for you to hear. Stuart Varney of Fox News Business. Okay, looking much better. Congressman Pat Fallon, Republican from the great state of Texas, joins us now. Six people on the FBI terror watch list were arrested at the southern border in just two days. How is it getting better, Congressman? Stuart, it's not. And if you look at the numbers, the la- we don't even have April's numbers yet from this year, but we have them from last year in the last month of April that President Trump was in office. And from 2020 to 2022, that April was 234,000 illegal crossings in 22. It was 1,258% worse than the last April President Trump was in office. And we never had seen in our history over 200,000 illegal crossings until Joe Biden became president. And now we've essentially seen it for 14 months in a row. So you heard that report about the latest numbers. Let me tell you what's going on behind the scenes. And you can book this. Democrats understand that this is a big story, but they also know most Americans are too busy to spend a bunch of time every day digging into the facts of 
corruption that have been happening during the Biden administration. And they're certainly not committed to holding any wrongdoers accountable. As you just heard, people on our terrorist watch list, they're just walking into the nation. How many hundreds, maybe thousands of them are here and are communicating to their places where they came from, like communist China, Iran. They're letting anybody come in. You, There's no way in the United States you're going to get a credible background investigation about anybody from China before they come here. I was in, as many of you know, I was in Zimbabwe for a week. Let me tell you something that I learned down there. People are different everywhere. I mean, different everywhere. And they can hide and they can create a facade to be anything or anybody that they want, sufficient to trick other people. Let me tell you what's happening in Zimbabwe. It's a little, it's not really little, but in comparison to most of the other African nations, it's a small and it's down on the southeast side, just north of uh, the southern part of the African continent down there really nice on the coast. But these Chinese workers are coming to Zimbabwe and getting jobs, working, and then they get married to Zimbabwe women. And guess what happens? They start having kids. But it's not a normal relationship. These men that are coming over from China are there on a mission. And thousands of them have married They're never going back to China. If they go back, they'll be executed. What is this all about? China is surreptitiously trying to control, take total control of nations around the globe. And they're doing it in any way they can create to come up with doing it. They're creating a permanent class of Chinese people that live in Africa. Now, why would they do that? I'll tell you why. It's very simple. The African continent has more money, more elements, precious elements in the ground than the rest of the world combined. I'm talking about gold, silver, platinum, rhodium. They have the only place that rhodium comes from. And if you don't know what rhodium is, ever since there's been a catalytic converter on your car, it's got rhodium in it that makes it work. That only comes from Africa. Their minerals, oil and natural gas, all of those things are off the chart about availability. So why hasn't this all been, oh, I don't know, put on a farm and farmed? Why isn't somebody taking control and getting all this stuff taken care of? The problem is that throughout history, Africa is huge. It's a huge continent, the biggest one we have. And all across Africa... There are in almost every nation two types of ruling class. One are the indigenous natives, the tribes. And the second is the political system. Sometimes they overlap, sometimes they don't. But what has happened through, I don't know, centuries is people come from every country imaginable and they sell to these leaders. We're going to come in here. We're going to make you so much money. We're going to harvest this, 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 this. You're going to be wealthy. You'll be able to give your people money every week, every month, and you'll have a great place to live. We're going to help you do all that. That's been happening for centuries. 
but now it's stopped because people in Africa are waking up and they're realizing what's been going on. They can't stand the Chinese invading their country in Zimbabwe, and they're doing everything they can to stop it. Why is that? They know what Xi Jinping and his government are doing. They're very quietly taking over the whole continent. And their partners, the Democrat National Committee and Democrat voters in the U.S. are going right along with that philosophy. If you don't like them, cancel them. Get rid of them. We don't want them anyway. Get rid of them, but don't let them get back in charge. Keep those conservatives out of office in the United States because we've got to have the U.S. in this. We've got to. All they want us for is access to our assets. Access to our assets. You can really mess up trying to say that fast. (laughs) That's all they care about. And people like Adam Schiff have zero respect for you or me. They don't care what we think. Don't give a rip. New things come up every day now since the Monday release of that Durham 300-page report. Six and a half million dollar investigation, the Durham report was. It concluded the FBI failed to uphold their mission of strict fidelity to the law. Way, way deep down inside the dense part of this document, which blasts the FBI, by the way, for opening that full-blown investigation of the Trump campaign based on raw intelligence tips, none of it documented, or insights into how the Russia probe got started and links between people in Hillary's orbit and the stream of information on Trump's Russia contacts. It also points out where Durham calls an unfair discrepancy. What is it, the discrepancy? Why the Trump camp didn't get a defensive briefing on Russia's efforts to influence his campaign when the FBI did provide a briefing to Clinton when a foreign actor sought to influence hers. And, of course, the left have gone crazy about this Durham report. It's now being denounced by some people who appear in its pages. Former House Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff went postal two days ago, blasted it as four years of wasted effort. Worse than that, we have four years, I think, of undermining the department and a political prosecution. There should be one, Mr. Schiff. The FBI has gone to the dogs in large part because of you letting them do anything they want to do and never holding anybody at the FBI or in the Department of Justice, which you in the House of Representatives have the authority and an edict to get that done. You're not doing it, and they're going rogue. rogue. It was a topic the FBI would probe, whether there was a secret server for Trump Organization communication with Moscow that didn't pan out. Nobody said anything about the fact that James Comey, former FBI director, told us during the campaign for the 2016 election, during that time, on Hillary's illegal server maintained in her home, that classified information and communications were being picked up every time emails were sent and received, were picked up from overseas sources, and it was being sent over there to our enemies. Have you heard a lot about that? No. None whatsoever. 
That doesn't matter. They're Democrats. Democrats. Florida has got a great new representative that is just blowing the lid off. Byron Donalds, African-American of Florida. I like him a lot. They want to deport, they and his ilk, want to deport as many illegals as possible to manage the impacts of the border crisis on the interior of the U.S. Donalds is one of them. Mark Green of Tennessee, Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania. They all believe that ICE should be able to go out and arrest individuals for the sole reason that they're illegally present in the country. That should be enough. Not if you're a Democrat. The Biden administration changed ICE's priorities to only arrest and deport individuals that are deemed to be threats to national security, public safety, and border security. This is the unfortunate tragedy of Joe Biden's strategy. This is Rep. Donald speaking. His strategy, just bring a deluge of people into the country around our immigration law. So unfortunately, what you're really going to have to do at some point, if people ignore their court hearings, you're going to have to deport them. That's again, Byron Donald's talking. While Customs and Border Patrol had a record of more than 2.3 million encounters at the southern border in fiscal year 2022, ICE removed roughly 72,000 aliens compared to roughly 185,000 in fiscal year 2020 when migrant encounters were even lower. So ahead of the Trump-era expulsion of Title 42, it ended last Thursday night, ICE instructed personnel to get ready to begin releasing illegal immigrants from detention who have been found to have a credible fear. That's according to an internal agency memo recently released. I think I should be able to do its job under the federal law. Green, Representative Green, is chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, believes in order to ramp up interior immigration enforcement, the White House has got to be the one to implement it. If they have an order to be removed from the country by a court, They should be removed. That's it. End of conversation. That's a court decision. It's been made by a judge. And those start there. To fix this, ultimately, it's going to take an administrative change because they're absolutely ideological trying to get as many people. They want the entire world to come here and live in the U.S. It's not feasible. It's not sustainable, Green said. Kelly Representative Kelly is a co-founder of the Northern Border Security Caucus. He believes that even if they want to deport illegals in higher numbers, it will ultimately be impossible to track them all down. Where ICE is, they're undermanned. They're overloaded. What it really comes down to, a person's entry into the United States, the first thing they do is break whatever laws that doesn't bode well for the future. I don't know what we can get to them to all to find out exactly who they are, where they came from, and what their intentions are. It bothers me. We've allowed it to happen. We've watched it take place, Kelly said. That's your government, folks. I know it's mine, too. But that's our government, and they are supposed to represent us, and they're supposed to do the biggest thing they swore an oath to do, to protect and defend the American people from enemies foreign 
and domestic. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Beat Yourself Up Hotline. Is this the Beat Yourself Up Hotline? Yes, sir. If you'd like to beat yourself up, this is the place to do it. Okay, I'd like to beat myself up now, please. Go right ahead when you're comfortable. I am so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. What an idiot. I left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again. Now it's a huge hassle. Why do I have to do this to myself every year? When, oh, when will I learn? You beat yourself up very well, sir. Thanks. But maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com. SmartShip.com? Right. Type in your zip code and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute. Wow. SmartShip.com. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Well... Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir. When, oh, when will I ever have an original thought? You're really good at this, sir. I've been told it's a gift. SmartShip.com. The way smart shipping is done. old song good song life's been good i gotta be honest with you and i am gonna be honest with you and tell you sometimes life can really mess up but it doesn't do it on its own it always has a little help from us doesn't it (laughs) all of the bad information all of the corruption stories all of the corruption evidence it comes out almost daily about every part of the Biden administration. There is not any place in that administration where things are working the way they're supposed to. Where are you going with this? It gets worse. Now, Republicans are saying that the IRS is complicit in a cover-up and they're demanding accountability after Hunter's whistleblower was removed from the team investigating Joe Biden's son. The IRS has removed the entire team that have been probing Hunter Biden's tax returns. This comes from a whistleblower. That whistleblower alleged his colleagues were covering up the president's son financial crimes and that the dismissal on Monday was in retaliation. And of course, Dan Werfel, the IRS commissioner, told Congress 
his agency would not retaliate against any whistleblowers. Oh, we're not going to do that. And then they go do it. What happens to them? Nothing. Nothing. Republican lawmakers are slamming the IRS for getting involved in a cover-up scheme by the Biden administration to hide Hunter Biden's financial crimes. According to a letter to Congress, the IRS has removed the entire team probing Hunter's tax returns and doing so in retaliation against a whistleblower who alleged that his colleagues were covering up the president's son financial crimes. Those dismissal orders came from the Justice Department. The whistleblower's attorney testified to that. Following the revelations, House GOP Chairwoman Elise Stefanik of New York accused the IRS of being complicit in the cover-up of Hunter's illegal activities, covered up by the Biden administration. Daddy's taking care of baby boy. The IRS is complicit in the cover-up of Hunter's tax fraud, Stefanik tweeted on Tuesday. There must be accountability. We keep going back to this accountability thing. Isn't it odd that when you and I, when we look at everything, we see everything, we hear everything, we read, we watch, we're not stupid people. We're not enabled to reasonably search through and analyze different things that we see that happen every day in our lives. And because of that, they're important. And we watch it, and then we listen to the explanations for all of this that's coming down from the top up in the Potomac Valley. That would be Washington, D.C. None of what we're being given from D.C. lines up with what you and I are watching, seeing, and hearing for ourselves. And they don't care. This thing goes all the way to the bottom of our society. No part of our society is exempt. And the the biggest one that really troubles me, and nobody likes to talk about it, it's what's going on in schools. I want you to listen to a school board meeting a couple of days ago. What happens when mom has a textbook from her kid's high school class and she begins reading what is in that textbook? Now, she's at an open school board meeting. Stay with me now. She gets cranking, but the good stuff is about a minute and a half in. Hi, it's Candy again. Um, I'll be talking about that. No, it's just for you, Mr. Kelly. They've all received all of those copies before, and they don't care about them. They're still in our schools, so I thought I'd give you the opportunity. Um, I'm going to first talk about um, something that I found was very disheartening. Um, When my daughter was up here speaking about her story, feeling very uncomfortable, Um, with the PE teacher, and um, she mentioned some examples along with her friend. I was sitting behind a teacher. His name is Stephen Caperton, and he's a special needs teacher at Redlands High School. He was scoffing at my daughter. He didn't know that Ava's mother was sitting right behind him. He's a teacher. He doesn't know my daughter. She doesn't go to that school. She doesn't know of him. He doesn't know of her. And he's scoffing at her and shaking his head no, no, and talking to the union president right next to him and saying all these, I don't know what he's saying, but it's not nice. It's negative. And with the nodding and the scoffing. And I think that that's part of the problem. My daughter was taught to be honest. And she never would have got up here and said stuff that wasn't true. She was uncomfortable doing it, but she was brave enough to do it. And I think that that's part of the issue, is that we have teachers like that that 
would belittle and just immediately write things off. He has no idea whether what she's saying is true or not, but should be listened to with respect. And I think that's an issue probably that goes deeper than just one teacher. Secondly, I wanted to talk about the gross books that are in our schools. So I'm going to read a couple excerpts. Um, One of them is Push. This book is at Orangewood High School. On page 127, it says, My clit swell up. Think, Daddy. Daddy, still he sexed me up. He pumped my pussy out in, out in, and all I come. Candy? Yes? Pause your time, please. This is in your school at Orangewood. I understand that. I just want to make you aware that, and that is fine when a parent checks out that book, or a child checks out that book with their parents' approval. However, um, that's a family decision. There are students in this room, and I just want to make you aware If you're going to proceed this way, fine. But I just want to make you aware that we do have students in this room. They're in high school, right? Yes. Okay, summer and middle. Does anyone want any any kids in middle school want to step out? I'm not going to. I'm not going to ask them to step out. They have every right to be here, just as well. Okay. So So I didn't didn't know there were middle schoolers in this audience. So I apologize. It's not appropriate. But you know, back when you interrupted my speech last time for the word ass. You know, it's not appropriate for adults, but you guys think that this is appropriate for children? I think we all know that the garbage in our schools is not appropriate. Now, Dr. Broom has filled out four of those reviews, those eight-step processes that you guys kept hiding behind, saying nothing will happen until you do the eight-step process. Well, he did it, and he took his time, and no one has done anything about it. You guys have pornography in our schools that you can't even bear listening to. We don't want to listen to it, and I don't even want to say it, but when I emailed it to you to read it, you won't read it because it's disgusting, and it should not be available for our high schoolers to read. Thank you. It's as if there's somebody in a position of power that says, you know, we don't need to worry about decency. We don't need to worry about those that are most vulnerable among us, which would be our kids. If the woke crowd... They want to do something just because they're the woke crowd. They're pretty much the ones that are in political power right now. If they say do it, shut up and just go do it. You have no other option. Listen or leave. And they literally are saying that to millions of Americans. So there's some other stuff that has been unburied out of the Durham report. Among the malfeasant that are included there is the name Peter Strzok. Remember that? FBI agent Peter Strzok. And Strzok is spelled S-T-R-Z-O-K. Rush Limbaugh, when he was alive, he would always say Peter Strzok stroke. So he'd have the right pronunciation there. Buried in a memo in the Durham report, a memo from the CIA, that 2016 Democrat candidate Hillary Clinton may have been hyping the concocted ties to Russia to purposely frame Trump, who would later go on to spring the political upset of the century against her, who was heavily favored because, after all, former first lady, former secretary of state. My name's Hillary. A reporter named Luke Rosiak combed through the Durham report on the FBI's anti-Trump operation Crossfire Hurricane. And he highlighted a key passage that should have given pause to any less ideological agent than Strzok, who once remarked that he could smell Trump supporters at Walmart. (laughs) This is the guy 
in management in the FBI. And he's talking about, I guess me, I go to Walmart, I supported Trump so he could smell me. In late July of 2016, U.S. intelligence agencies got some insight into the Russian intelligence analysis that alleged that Hillary Clinton had approved a campaign. Hillary Clinton had approved a campaign to stir up a scandal against Donald Trump by tying him to Putin and the Russians. Hacking, that's all part of it. I mean, they get a little, they get a little uh, opening there and they're going to jump right through it. And boy, this report says that's exactly what happened. The CIA sent a memo about it, sent it to Adam Schiff. He was the Intelligence Committee chair, and Schiff buried it. He buried it. While chasing down every conceivable flimsy rabbit hole sourced from literally fabricated anonymous reports, the truth is out there. The FBI studiously avoided simply getting to the bottom of it. They did it by refusing to interview those most involved in it. Dolan, Papadopoulos, and Carter Page. Remember those names? Twitter users, when this came out yesterday, they just went nuts. Twitter's been going nuts all week as the contents of the Durham report are being revealed. Why? Because it's 180 degrees away from the what we've been told from the beginning for six years now. Here are the facts. And the so-called facts that we were given about all of that are lies, nothing more. And it came from the top. Now, let me ask you this. Who was at the top? of the dissenting group during the Trump administration, those four years. Who was out there instigating all of this? This stuff didn't just happen in a vacuum. It was orchestrated. It was put together purposely. They make no bones about it. They did it. Now they're busted, so okay. No big deal, right? (laughs) Americans have had enough. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Joe Manchin from West Virginia, I think I think he's on his last leg as a U.S. senator. He's up for re-election. The governor of West Virginia is running against him, and Manchin has had so many problems, especially in the last few years, because he believes what he's told from Democrats and leadership in the Senate and the House And that means he votes for everything that they have put out there. And his people in West Virginia, I think maybe Joe Manchin is the only Republican in West Virginia. Everybody else, the only elected official in the state of West Virginia that's not Republican is Joe Manchin. He's becoming a bigger problem now for President Biden and Democrats in the Senate as he faces an uphill re-election battle a state where former President Trump won one of his biggest victories in 2020. 2020, not 2016, 2020. Manchin criticized Biden and Democrats publicly, which you can't do if you're a Democrat, especially in the Senate. You just can't do it. Manchin opposes various nominees in this week that are in committee hearings. He said he would oppose every one of the president's nominations to the EPA. Before an election in which Biden is casting himself as a centrist and a stable choice for the country, 
Manchin accused his EPA nominees of pursuing an extreme ideology and panned the administration's plan to limit greenhouse pollution from existing power plants. The shots from inside the party are exactly what Biden doesn't want. He's trying to unify Democrats ahead of the 2024 race. He forgot about the rest of us. Remember when he was campaigning for president? He famously said over and over and over again, I don't want to be the president of Democrats. I don't want to be the president of Republicans. I want to be the president of every person in the United States of America. And he talked about unity. He hasn't done anything, not a single thing, hasn't attempted to do anything to unify the nation. In fact, it's exactly opposite. Divide and conquer something that was put together ideologically in the military back in the Middle Ages. He's adopted it to run his administration with divide and conquer. You get people pitted against each other, psychological, ideologically. It's going to be good if you want divisiveness, if you don't want unity to happen and you want to control it. Manchin's in trouble. Just saying, we all need to pay attention. That's a big Senate seat. And the governor's well-liked in West Virginia, so maybe that would flip a Senate seat over to the Republicans. We need every every seat that we possibly can get. On other stuff, Elon Musk is becoming quite a fixture in pretty much every place around the world. My um, 10 days over in Africa, um, one of the people that we were meeting with that I've introduced you here to him four different times, Dunstan Teo, is one of the co-managers at the beginning of Bitcoin. He and Elon have a relationship and what we're looking at for the nation of Africa, the projects and things that are on the table over there, Elon's going to be a part of it. Elon's from South Africa, so he's got a vested interest. He's every day now coming up and saying things that make sense. (laughs) You can't do that, Elon. He's now condemning working from home, and he's calling working from home. COVID's gone now, remember that. He's calling it morally wrong. It's not just about productivity, but the unfair notion that service workers still have to show up to get the job done. No question about it. He called his Twitter employees back to the office back in November. He called the issue of working from home a moral issue. He did that last night in an interview. I'm going to have him on this show. I'm going to get him on this show. I promise you. He last night condemned working from home as morally wrong, saying the practice is unfair for service workers who still got to go to work. Musk is worth about $180 billion. He's the second richest person in the world, and that's not true. It's in the United States, and it may include some people from overseas, those who are willing to give their financial information to one of these big uh, magazine, Newsweek, Fortune magazine. They analyze people's wealth. I've been overseas a lot. I've been with people that are filthy rich. Elon Musk is not the richest man on the planet, I promise you. For many businesses, this work-at-home thing has continued after COVID. The business mogul, that's Elon Musk, he owns the social media platform Twitter, referred to workers in Silicon Valley's tech industry as the laptop classes living in la-la land on CNBC. He told the network David Faber, 
that he believes being in the office boosts productivity, but he also said his opposition to working from home is a moral issue. In a wide-ranging interview, talked about a lot of stuff. Musk said employees that have so far refused to go back to work after COVID ended, they need to get off their moral high horse, get back to work like everybody else pointing to service workers. The whole work-from-home thing, it's sort of like, I think it's like, there are some exceptions, but I kind of think that the whole notion of work from home is a bit like, you know, the fake Marie Antoinette quote, let them eat cake, he told Faber. It's like, really? You're going to work from home? You're going to make everyone else who made your car come to work in the factory? You're going to make people who make your food that gets delivered? They can't work from home. The people that come fix your house, they can't work from home, but you can. Does that seem morally right, he asked? That's messed up. That's Elon Musk. He's a smart guy, obviously. He's uh, second highest, even if that's in the number, second highest wealthy person on the globe. And he talks about it. And he gives reasons for the opinions that he develops and takes. Novel idea, find some facts. Very few other people are doing that, right? Now, there's another Fox News rumor that just went nuts yesterday. Reports of a massive shakeup to the Fox News primetime lineup. It just rocked Twitter yesterday, even as the network itself pushes back on these claims. The Drudge Report initiated an explosive allegation yesterday afternoon with a screaming headline to match it. I'm looking at it now. Hannity Fox News Showcase moves to 8 p.m., 7 p.m. Central. Waters, that's Jesse Waters, and Gutfeld get prime time. That's from Drudge Report. Fox is preparing to announce an ambitious new schedule, the Drudge Report has learned, a schedule where every hour prime time is going to change. Top source tells Drudge it's our boldest and most fearless lineup ever. No decision has been made on a new prime time lineup. There are multiple scenarios under consideration. That comes from Fox News in response to this Drudge Report. However, this hasn't stopped Twitter users from reacting to the news that, I'm going to shock you, news out there that Laura Ingram, under the alleged new plan, is effectively cut from her time slot. So Fox issued a second statement late yesterday to show support for her, saying, Reports by left-wing activists are wildly inaccurate. Laura Ingram, the top-rated woman in cable news, is now and will continue to be a prominent host and integral part of the Fox News lineup. So, Twitter folks went crazy. According to Drudge, Fox News will move Sean Hannity to 8 p.m. Eastern to replace Tucker, followed by Jesse Waters at 9 p.m., Greg Gutfeld at 10 p.m., there's no indication on the network's plan for Laura Ingram nor Trace Gallagher. Sir Osis of Liber, that's a guy, <laughs> he tweeted this. There's a false story on Twitter that says Laura Ingram has been fired from Fox. I almost put the news on Facebook. Thankfully, I fact-checked it. Unfortunately, the old broad is still there. Max Burns, the big loser in the Fox News shakeup is Laura Ingraham. Ingram, but it's spelled Ingraham. And he says, Laura seems to have either been shuffled out entirely or heavily marginalized in their new primetime light-up. 
Lauren Gibb is either going to get fired from Fox News or she's going to get demoted from her time spot. Let me ask you a question. Why in the heck would Fox News replace any of those people? Their numbers, their ratings are higher than any other in cable news, period. Is it all about money? Well, if it is, I mean, come on, that family, they're worth billions. Why would they kick? You know, I understand the Tucker thing. It happened as part of the Dominion voting machines uh, settlement that happened to keep Fox News from paying several billions of dollars to get out of that lawsuit. There was no proof given of any of the allegations by Dominion. They just decided they wanted it to stop and get on down the road, so they came up with a dollars and cents message to do just that. Listen, it's pretty difficult to keep on top of everything for you. We're going to do it. We're going to keep doing it. There's no question about it. But while we're doing it, you need to keep your head up. We all need to understand it ain't over. (laughs) It is not over. And it's not over till the fat lady sings. And the fat lady hadn't even crawled up on the platform, yet alone got a microphone. And I know it's sexist. I said fat lady. Hey, you guys, enjoy your Thursday. We're going to have a big day tomorrow. Don't you dare miss TNN Live at 9 a.m. Course of a lifetime runs over.